Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. Welcome to our Bakta tank of talk. Swimming around in here with me is Ken Knopsock, and I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. How so, are you doing, Ken? I'm swimming. I'm healthy. I wish I could swim back there every morning. I'd feel great. <laughs> uh, we normally introduce ourselves, and then I just went rogue, and I said your name first. I don't know why. You know, like you said, you and I now over well over a thousand total broadcasts, and sometimes you just your your soul just changes it up on you. <laughs> it really does. I think I just suddenly had that image when I have uh, been sometimes saying "Welcome to our Bakta Tank of Talk," and then I suddenly had that image of both you and I uh, floating in there, <laughs> and for some reason that threw me off my game. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we are excited here uh, to do our deep dive episode. We're going to do a slightly bit, uh, a slight bit of different deep diving uh, as we're going to deep dive into some memories. Uh, but before we get to that, we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending Ronin by Emma Miko Kandon. To download your free audiobook today, you can go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. But that is not all. Not all indeed. We have another offer, my friends. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link. InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection. Again, use the link InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35 and get 35% off. Yeah, that sounds great. And now we are ready because we have said all the things that we have to say, including weird things about being in Bakhti Tank together. We're now ready to dive deep into our memories. Uh, this is a topic, Ken, that you suggested uh, to take a, a look at some memory lanes. <laughs> and in particular, I'm so excited to hear uh, about your adventures and, and why this uh, came to you. But we're going to discuss today our memories of the day we saw The Phantom Menace. Uh, all the thrill, the fun, and, and kind of, I think to me, what's really interesting about taking this deep dive is how the different experiences affect how we see parts of Star Wars. Like, we, you and I have talked a lot about how your different ages uh, it affect the experience of Star Wars. But then there's also just that different experience, right? It, it, we had this experience where there was a massive buildup to see Phantom Menace. We got to go see it in theaters, and I'm sure a ton of our listeners saw it on VHS, you know, or or on DVD, or maybe somebody saw it for the first time when it was back in the theaters in 3D right. <laughs> in the early 2010s. Uh, and that, I think, affects how we, uh, how we see Star Wars as well. So uh, let's just dive in here. I do want to ask you, why did this come to you? Why did you want to have this conversation? I, as you and I were looking to, you know, discuss uh, Star Wars, uh, we love going deep and, and we love uh, researching, but it was like, what, sometimes I just love just uh, <laughs> cracking open that nostalgia box and, and just talking about our own, own experiences, which are, which are shared. And, and then these big days along the way, I, one of my favorite books, I have a, like a Star Wars, Star Wars year by year. And, uh, excuse me. Um, it's just, uh, I love going back to those times where you don't know what's coming 10 years from now in 1999. You, you don't, you only know what's gone so far. And then you're right there and it's these big kind of watershed moments and we all have a different relationship to them. And it does change the way you take them in. And, but also, you know, with this particular one, we'll talk about how that day or the people around you might've affected what you thought about the movie too. Um, but there's other days, big days in star Wars history that we can discuss here on this kind of show where we, just, I love just just talking about how we engage and what what makes us love Star Wars beyond just the deep themes and everything which are there and we love breaking down, but just that gut level experiences that drive us forward. Yeah, just the thrill of seeing uh, new laser swords on a big screen, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that, that sounds great. Let's dive in. Uh, we're going to talk Ken's memories, then we'll talk my memories, and then we'll do some kind of wrap-up questions uh, uh, looking back and see how, how those things really affected us. So, Ken, uh, I, I want to start with your your memories of not the screening, but 
the day? Like how far, how detailed are your memories? Are you at like, at, well, at 6.01 a.m. I did this. Like what are your memories of, of the buildup of that day? They are so foggy and I love that they've become this legend in my own mind, right? Um, and, and, and part of the, another reason for doing this, this specific kind of show is you and I have brought a lot of these stories up in other ways, shapes or forms and smaller versions or talked about it. And I just love kind of concentrating on the entire day. For me that day, so I was out here, I was 22 years of age. I was uh, freshly, so I moved into LA in August of 1998 here doing the old man thing. What day, what was the weather like on that day? <laughs> But here it is, uh, you know, 1999, May of 99. I haven't even been in L.A. a year. So the big city is still big to me. You yeah, know? Your, your, your jeans are very big and baggy, as was the style at the time, right? <laughs> I wore an onion strapped to my belt. <laughs> um, and yeah, but so I'm, I'm still a young man. And I was, uh, you know, from a small town. So I still had this like the wide eyed, this, this big city scares me. And I was seeing it when NECA, uh, California was not too far where I lived and where I worked. So it was like the small bubble. Like I didn't go to man's, I wouldn't even have comprehended going to man's Chinese. Right. Right. Like, I passed that once driving just to see Hollywood. When I moved to town, I was so scared. I couldn't even know where to park. Like that's, <laughs> I, I kind of came from a little small town sheltered upbringing. And, and so it was like, well, there's this Winneka 20 it was at the time it was a brand new theater. Pacific theaters thing. And so all my friends are gone and I had, I had already bought, I was the one who weeks earlier had got off work at 3am and then waited in line to get the tickets for everyone. Uh, okay. I was the one who, you know, when the first kind of magazine started speaking of new star Wars films in 94, I still, still to this day have those. I've talked about them in spotlight star Wars because like this, I never thought this day would come. And so this morning I woke up and the day had come and a friend of mine who was this pad this year passed away uh, and this is one of my lasting memories of him now is he had, he had driven down and was one of the last days of our friendship in terms of like youth up to that point. After this, he act, his life took a different turn and, and our relationship was always a little different. Um, still loving and positive, but just this is one of those last like this is a guy I'd known from second grade and he was coming down to watch this movie with me. And and this is kind of oddly enough, the end of that chapter of our, our friendship in a weird way. So a lot of that is attached to it now, but I was waiting for him to come down and we had to get to the theater. Remember kids, remember kids, no assigned seats. <laughs> first come first serve. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to get there at a 10 AM showing, but I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to be first in line. So was, I have a lot of anxiety and tension. So a lot of that stuff, Joseph was running through my mind. Can I so just you had get to the theater? 10 AM showing. 10 AM showing. Yeah. And then okay. that, I can confirm that memory to be true because that ticket fell out of my Phantom Menace novel not too long ago when I found the novelization. I was like, there's the ticket. So what, what was your job then? Did you have to take the day off? Uh, I was uh, working uh, security at this point. I had started that in uh, winter of 98. So I had a shift where I was 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. at the time. And so I was off already. So that's part of the reason I chose an, an early showing as well. Uh, I think my friends, so my roommates, all uh, jobs or school, they're going, two of my roommates uh, who went with me were CalArts students and another one was working at, at a college too. So they, um, and attending it. Um, so they, they're the ones who had to take the day off. I just had to get up. Okay. Okay, good. So, uh, and you, you were pumped, right? Like this was an event event to you uh is it i mean it was so built up culturally at the time but that was yeah. that was totally where you were at that this was like uh christmas times a thousand this was yes because not only the build up for years um but i was already in that group and you and i talk a lot and i think a lot of people listening have this shared experience of in our groups we are the star wars people even among star wars people right? <laughs> not not in terms of knowledge uh in terms of passion 
Yeah, just people will know you, like, especially from now from having the podcast, people are like, oh, yeah, you're you're an all-in Star Wars guy. Yeah, but in 99, I'd already been that that guy, and I'd waited in line for the toys at Toys R Us in Porter Ranch, California, got those, <laughs> displayed them, took them out of the package, displayed them. I still have those in a bag. Um, and, my, and my friends, and I, one of my friends is a Star Wars fan, and he and I became friends because of shared Star Wars. I, I always make reference to my friend Joel, who um, uh, still lives in L.A. down here uh, with his family. Um like we became friends because he made a hardware wars reference that I picked up on <laughs> in like ninth grade, Augie Ben Doggy. And I was like, Oh, hardware wars and he, oh, hardware wars. And that's how we became, he loved Star Wars. But uh, this was, I, I was, yeah, this was everything to me. This was everything to me. Yeah. I, I was the point, man. I was everyone get here. This is the time. Here's your tickets. I'm the one holding out the tickets, you know? Okay. You were commander Ken on the mission to see Phantom yeah. Menace. So uh, another follow-up question here. So obviously you were with uh, friends in terms of job, you know, you, you know, you're seeing this uh, movie at 10 a.m. and then eventually you're, you're going back to work. Uh, yeah. Were people at work excited for Phantom Menace or were there some like grumbly? I don't know why he's so excited about Star Wars people you were working with. Both, both. Mo uh, mostly my uncle, who was uh, at the time our, our director, uh, uh, <laughs> security retired LAPD uh, officer, was uh, our security director there. And uh, the reason I had the job, he was always like, you going to see that weird space stuff. Um, <laughs> but I had friends. It was weird because, again, uh, uh, it was a, um, for lack of a more nuanced term, it was a very alpha male environment, right? Yes. I, I This little quiet nerd kid. um, um, who had an interest in pursuing law enforcement at one point in his career, but it was now in a very kind of tough, uh, overly macho environment, some out of necessity for some of the things you de deal with. Uh, it's a different discussion for another time. But also, I, here I am. I was the nerd kid, right? Right. Um, and I was surprised to find, like, one of my super shift supervisors, this hardened, he's now a, a sheriff detective up in the Lancaster area. He's, he had just got out of the Marines, six foot eight, if he's a, if he's an inch and he loved it, he loved Star Wars. And, I, and but it was like this, like, Hey, Hey, don't tell anybody, but I, I got the novel. And then I, I ran into one of my coworkers who always kind of didn't like me and always kind of picked on me. And I ran into him at Toys R Us buying the figures and turned okay. the corner and was like, Bill, how you doing? Got yourself Amidala there. I see. <laughs> So, but yet when the trailer came out, because we had a Pacific Theaters 10 on our property, the Northridge Fashion Center, we would all sneak in and watch the trailer. Like just really? Oh, like you go in the big lobby and they have the screen in the lobby and you could kind of get the rotation of, you know, when the Micho Black trailer was coming or whatever. And you could go, <laughs> and then you'd get the rumble of the tanks coming over the hill and you knew it was the Star Wars. And we would watch it. And, and everyone was excited. But I got to tell you, I was one of the ringleaders even then at work. Everyone wanted, when I showed up that night, it was like, did you like it? And when that sergeant, uh, that, that shift supervisor, uh, my, my sergeant, he read the novel and uh, finished the book. We, we were working. Uh, he was a graveyard sergeant at this time. So it was like two in the morning. He finished the book. I was in the break room and he closed it real dramatically. He goes, boom. And he looks at me and goes, you're going to be really happy. That's a great story. The, wow. In, in there, this person's title was graveyard sergeant. <laughs> he was a graveyard shift supervisor, yeah, sergeant. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not kidding. This, this guy's six eight. This guy's giant, six eight guy, big uh, ex marine, and uh, just looks at me and and, and he finished. The, I saw him f close the book on the, uh, on the and he goes, he looks at me, he goes, "You're gonna enjoy." This is a great story. That's great. So, and this is before you know you've seen it, obviously. This is maybe two weeks away. He'd finished okay. the book whenever the novel came out. You know, and I had the soundtrack. I you know, unfortunately, knew something about Qui Gon's fate, but uh, like all of us. 
I was going to ask you about that because when you're when you're being Commander Ken, uh, uh, you know, captain of watching Star Wars, and you're handing out the tickets in line, uh, there's so many sources of spoilers. It's mind boggling to think of now of like that. Yeah, the yeah. book was just out there. You could read the whole damn thing. The uh, Qui Gon's noble end. Uh, yeah. I think it's like Anakin's victory or Sabalba's loss or something. I, I don't remember off the yeah. top of my head, but there's like there's several spoilers on the soundtrack. Uh, the the action figures had a decent amount of description. So like, I'm pretty sure that Al Yankovic uh, at least partially put together his uh, song that came out uh, yeah. by reading the back of the action figures <laughs> yeah, and piecing yeah. the story together. There were so many sources to, to figure things out. How spoiled were you? Not spoiled too much. The, the Qui-Gon one, and I, I listened to the soundtrack, right? Like I put it in and I'm like, I cracked open that CD and put it in my uh, 1992 Plymouth Colt. And I drove around the Northridge area listening to that. So, <laughs> and nowadays I don't wouldn't. And I remember, I remember getting getting the Attack of the Clones soundtrack and listening to the end. And I totally had that final theme and with Dooku's ship and the stuff that plays. I had a total different ending in my mind based on. Oh that wow! Music. Yeah, I uh, bet. But in terms of Phantom Menace, yeah, I, I other than Qui Gon, I went in pretty even even for then. I, I didn't I didn't uh, didn't go in too spoiled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's great. That's amazing. Okay, so a beautiful picture of you driving around uh, California, stuck in traffic, listening to Duel of the Fates. That's beautiful. Uh, but let's go back to this moment. Now you're you're in line. Uh, what's that like in line? Are are you joking with friends? Are you getting nervous? Are you trying to guess things? What's happening in line? Nervous, excited, and I remember hearing there's some people dressed up a little bit. It wasn't as prevalent then, obviously, as it is now. Um, but a lot of speculation, but I was tuning it out. And I, I, and this is, I think I've mentioned before, but I do have, I don't have a lot of anxiety. I don't have a lot of social anxieties anymore. I get a little shy in public settings, but in party parties and whatnot, I don't meet new people well. But one of my big anxieties is like theater or getting my seat anxieties. Mm-hmm. I am a, gets get there early and find this. Even last uh, this, this week when I saw the Rolling Stones at SoFi Stadium, we had assigned seats. It's a seat's hundred and, I was like, can we get in? Can we get in? Can we get in? I want to find my seats. I want to find my seats. And I'm worried about who's around me. I get really, I, I, it's, it's something I got to work on. So I, I had, I had a lot of that anxiety. I had not calmed uh, and, and found the force yet. <laughs> I was nervous about that. Yeah, no, there, there is a, a lot of letting go of all sorts of uh, exterior things that you cannot control. And even more back in the day when you didn't have assigned seats. So, yeah, so, so you were just focused on like, hey, that's great, but uh, I know where I want to sit and I'm nervous about getting there. Nowhere, yeah, nowhere. And we ended, and we ended up being just fine. Packed theater, 10 a.m. Um, I don't remember a ton of lightsabers in the air. Like, you know, I think that the documentary, The Beginning, uh, when Rick McCallum comes out of the theater in San Francisco and everyone's got the like, you know, Neapolitan colored, the uh, weird lightsaber. <laughs> I think, I think, I think that was my theater, but really it wasn't. I, I, I think there was less of that. And then just more of like the cheers and excitement and the energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you get into the theater and then uh, are, do you have any adventures there or is it just straight on into the showing? Sit. Yeah. Get, I, I, I maybe got, food. I don't even remember food again, just get there. And I, and I divvied up the seats so I could sit next to my pal. Uh, Gavin was his name uh, who passed away this past year and wanted to be sure I was sitting next to him mm. and close with the other guys. But you know what I mean? It was like, all right, you guys take these f- first three seats I got here. And I only, only had this showing, which was interesting to note because when the special editions came out, 
New Hope, I, and this is, I was still in my hometown working on radio at this time. I went and bought uh, six tickets for the first two showings of New Hope in 97. Yeah. And that was a mistake because everyone in my group was like, yay. And then we, we watched it the first time. And then we all paused and we all kind of said, oh, God, we, we got to watch this again, huh? Because we got the tickets. Not because we didn't love Star Wars or we didn't love the special edition at that point. But it was just like. It was overkill, right? It was overkill. And so I didn't do that this time. And then there might have been a limit on the tickets. But I, I, had, I had showings a little bit later on in the week. But I, I, this was it, right? So there's, there's a lot of pressure on it. Like this, I got to go with my eyes. I can't blink. I got to take in everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, lights come down and uh, what was the applause like? Because you got, especially back then, you got three three applause possibilities, right? Because you have the 20th century logo, you have the uh, a long time ago, and then you have the actual boom of Star Wars. What yeah. was, was there that awkward applause, then it dies down, then it comes back? Or was it just sustained roaring through all of those introductory moments? It was, it was uh, escalating. It, it started... And this I do remember clearly, and and now have such a such a, a warm memory attached to it. Now that my friend has passed, is and I have I said before, like the greatest moment I think of any Star Wars thing, whether it's Disney Plus or in a theater, is that you know that beat before the music hits, or beat before the first frame, or you know, a long time ago in Galaxy Far Away, and the silence. That's this is a great. That's the greatest moment as a Star Wars fan. And yeah, that hit. It was so it was twenty Lucasfilm, twentieth Century Fox, whatever whatever's going on there. Um, Cheering, 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 and then when the long time ago Galaxy Far, Far Away hit, I turned to my friend Gavin, and I and he was he was a big guy, and um, grabbed his shoulder and just screamed into his ear, "I can't believe we're staying Star Wars!" <laughs> just shook him as all I could, and you know, again, big guy, and and, uh, and I just I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it because this this was never going to happen. This was never going to happen in our lifetime, even with the special editions. It gave you that hope. And by this point, we knew there was casting stuff. But I don't know. This was a different era. Like, you know, let me, let me go to the theater and I'll believe it. And I just, I, that's, that, that, even, even Force Awakens, which again, never thought I'd see. Never thought that day would come. Uh, this was even more pure. Yeah. I'm so interested in the emotions behind that. Uh, um, because, yeah, Star Wars is extremely popular. It's everywhere. And then it disappears really pretty fast after 83 right by like 85 you know that the 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 cartoons are wrapping up the toys are wrapping up by by 87 uh, especially from a child's perspective the way time moves it's over (laughs) right it's been gone for for ages oh yeah i mean you're watching documentaries where george is talking about this thing like it's ancient history and it's like a vhs tape from 87 yeah absolutely uh i remember when he um howard the duck but i remember Radio Land Murders, which he produced uh, with Brian Benben in the start. Like, that was, what, 93, 94? And it was, like, it seemed like it was a different era. Like, George, like, like it was so in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So in the rearview mirror. You know, and Indy's yeah. going around. Indiana Jones is going around, too. But, like, even then, by 89, we thought Indiana Jones was done, too, other, other than the TV show. So, yeah. Well, yeah. But, and I, I, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. I, know, I just thought it was done. Yeah. So, that, that's what I couldn't believe. Special editions didn't have... It just it, different energy, and I love special editions, and I love that it introduced Star Wars to so many of that generation. But but ninety nine was next level. Yeah, special edition was was fascinating. You know, to see it again for the first time was the, such an accurate uh, feeling and emotion, mm-hmm. and the debate about the 
changes was fun, but it wasn't new. You know, it wasn't that this impossible. And that partly why I wanted to ask you how you felt about it, because I know from my own uh, sort of life experience, a lot of things that I liked when I was a kid happened to go away by the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Who got canceled in 1989. Uh, the James Bond films were put on a hiatus after mm-hmm. License to Kill in 1989. You know, uh, Guns N' Roses fell apart. Uh, I loved Chris Farley <laughs> and Nirvana. The, those, those things uh, stopped uh, yeah. uh, for uh, sad reasons. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like, every, like so many things, starting with Star Wars, it was just yeah. sort of like, I don't know. I think I really internalized if you love it, particularly in pop culture, it will go away and mm. it's never coming back, which is an odd thing to, to think about because I was quite young, but you perceive time differently, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think for me, it, it was definitely Star Wars, but it was this sort of feeling like a little bit of the doom and gloom of the 80s and a little bit of the nihilism of the 80s had seeped in. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this thing from when I was quite young that was fun and hopeful and exciting and thrilling. The possibility that like youth and excitement and fun and thrills could all return. Even though I wanted a gritty movie, I think it was that feeling of sort of like hope, honestly. And like we as fans hung on and our hope was rewarded. Did you feel that? Did you feel that sort of uh, hope has been rewarded? Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was the dawn of that era. I, I kind of look at uh, that era um, where we are now. You could say nostalgia overload and this and that. And a lot of I, the decision makers behind big, big films and TV shows and content are just at one point became our generation moving into positions of power. Right. Like mm-hmm. and then the, the, the big wigs above could be like, oh, there's money to be made in IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of it, I look back to like 99 and that late 90s era where you know, it had been synonymous with growing up, right? You have to put this, these are toys you put on the shelf. Uh, yeah, right. It's time to put on your, 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 uh, big person pants. <laughs> totally. And, and, and some of that there's, you know, I don't say there's some truth there, but I, I got it. I get it. And, and, and there's, there's a, maybe a bad way to approach it, but there was that distinct feeling in 99. Again, I was, I mean, I was bullied in the eighties to be clear. I think a lot of us were, the, the nerd stuff and, and, and glad that's changed kind of, I mean, there's still big areas of problems. We know that, but um, you know, again, going back to the environment I was in those, that's who I was seeing every day. These, these a um, lot of, lot of ex military friends in my life at that time and just kind of had a different approach. And again, uh, that's my perspective, perceptive uh, per- perception, you know, our friend Jason Inman who, who served in Kuwait and everything, he's a big comic book guy. And he's like, no comic books connect and superheroes connect with those in the military. We just kind of didn't think, you didn't think that was the case because mm-hmm. uh, they had grown up. They did this. They made this big choice. And so in 99, there was a little bit of that, like, yeah, I, I, I was the, f- kept the flame going. And even though I was, you know, made fun of still a little bit around the office, you know, all, when I suggested that we put the soundtrack for Phantom Menace on the mall music system and play it one night, no one fought me. <laughs> they did it. And I walked around an empty mall listening to Duel of the Fates. At two in the <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Echoing yeah. off those empty stores, just hearing Duel of Fates bounce off of Spencer's. That's amazing. <laughs> it was great. And so there was a little bit of the, that launch of a new era where, again, you can hold on in a bad way. Nostalgia can be an overload and can be a way of maybe stunting emotional growth. A serious conversation for another day, but it was no longer, it was, I, I didn't need to hide it as part of my identity, which, which, you know, is uh 
pretty fortunate, got a blessed uh, life and upbringing. But like, you know, I, I get it when people are like, how powerful it is to claim your identity to the world. This was this little sliver of it for me in 1999 of, yeah, you're right. I was the nerd. Yeah. I did wait in line for figures at midnight and I am a functional adult. <laughs> I have my Jar Jar action figure and I will arrest you. Yes. And I'm not living <laughs> in, yeah, I'm not living in my mom's basement. I'm not, you know, sniveling. I had a little trouble with girls, but you know, I'm not sniveling. That wasn't the reason. And, mm -hmm. and so there was some justification sitting in that packed theater as we all experienced it. Okay. That is so great to just get, really get your, your both uh, kind of big cultural and, and personal feelings based on where you were in life. So uh, the heart of it, right. Seeing the actual movie, uh, we have talked a lot about the ups and downs with a lot of the baggage that we had of being fans who grew up with the original trilogy and all the kind of expectations that we had, even if we didn't even verbalize them or know that they were there, that we had certain expectations, uh, you know, reaction against the movie, all that. But what was your experience when you actually just saw it? Was it joy? Was it glee? Did you start questioning during the screening? I, I, what, what was yeah, it? No, I, I started questioning right from the beginning. And I know I've mentioned that before, but right when, uh, what is the Radiant 7 comes in, trying to get my trivia yeah. questions. And Silas Carson, and the dialogue was a little clunky. And I, you know, the Nemodians pop up and, accent trouble aside, but just the way they, I immediately went, this does, this feels different. Now that's, that's a, that's a point of choice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that our generation faced and, and other others continue to face immediately went, Oh, this is different. And, and didn't go, but let's engage on that. I went, Oh, <laughs> oh and shields are up. Shields are up. This is different. Yeah. Yeah. So that started almost, uh, immediately, immediately. Uh, through the film, which doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. But then like the Roger Rogers shows up. I remember the first time being like, what? Like, and and, and I've, I've been screaming. I was screaming my head off five minutes earlier. Yeah. Go, I can't believe you're saying Star Wars. And then there was a hush. And, and that's, and that's the, the, re the reality of Phantom Menace and the prequels where it hit. So it, 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 it hit with a thud in a lot of parts of that theater. And that was yeah. hard to escape. And you are formed by that. You are formed by that. So even if I have this choice to engage with it on a different level and realize this is a different film and a different time, even in the storyline, you could tell the energy in the room was, well, I was, did that Troy just say Roger Roger in a weird voice? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, how cognizant uh, were you? How, how aware were you of wanting a, a specific kind of Star Wars? Uh, I... I really, I wanted another return of the Jedi. I, I, I had, I wanted big battles. Uh, and, and look, we get it. We get it in Phantom Menace, right? We get a three pronged uh, battle, you know, lightsaber fight in space on the ground. But I, yeah, four pronged, I, yeah. Four, yeah. Um, I wanted, uh, I, I just wanted that. I wanted the big battle and I felt I was getting it from the trailer, right? That, that's why I was, I love, I never stopped loving the Phantom Menace trailer, even in the height of me not enjoying Phantom Menace as much as I do now because I had a vision of what that was. And it was this big invasion and, and the Obi-Wan says that we, we don't got much time and it's like this drama and, and it was a little slower paced at time. And then the politics come into play and you're not, you're not analyzing that. And you're not picking up on what George is saying. All the things that you and I can do two hour episodes, <laughs> the wisdom of Shmi and all this stuff. I, I just made that choice to be like the, the, the what's, What's going on here? I need some rebels. I need some empire. I need some pew, pew, pew. And didn't engage with the one, the pew, pew, pew I did get. 
<laughs> so what did you enjoy? So you, you go through the emotional roller coaster of like, oh no, this is not the Star Wars I was I- expecting or yeah. wanting. Uh, you're a little thrown by it, <laughs> which is a, 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 an interesting mixture, like you were saying, of like being more excited than you can possibly imagine to, hey, wait, uh, what what gave you uh, energy? What what did you like in the film? Love the pod race. And that's one of the things I remember talking about afterwards with my friends sitting outside the theater of just, we did like the pod race. We loved the sounds. We we thought the Tuscan Raiders firing there from the ridge and, and doing the old cheer, uh, doing the old uh, Tuscan uh, scream was hilarious we liked it. <laughs> um and then maul was cool but then again there was a lot of like what he, he, he killed him maul's dead <laughs> um and then i do remember you know making fun of palpatine's final line of we'll watch your career with great interest wink wink uh and i spent a lot of energy making fun of that which which took away what i did feel from the music i mean duel of fates remember it had the it had the music video that came out it was in rotation on mtv yeah heavy Heavy rotation. And so there was those things that I, I did like. And the pod race was a big one. Okay, cool. So uh, so a, a mixed experience, right, uh, on the actual screening. What are the moments, like, immediately after? Like, do you have discussions? Does everybody, does everybody yeah. just go, got to go to my day job? Uh, what happens? Yeah, because we all, uh, so my friend had to get on out of town, or I think we were going to go maybe go eat. But back then, I, you know, I was making seven bucks an hour. So eating was, can we go to Carl's Jr. or something? So it wasn't like a sit down. <laughs> you, know, like you, you and I and Sarah and Alice and Grace got to have a nice big CPK lunch after Rise of Skywalker. You know, it wasn't that uh, where we could have drinks and dissect. The f- it was just like, yeah. you want to get a burger and get out of town? Yeah. Um, but we sat outside the, the, the Pacific Theaters in Winnetka at, at a big parking lot and a big like sidewalk area in the front. And we just kind of stood around in a circle and what I felt too in this, I don't want to add too much to the, to the memory that's not there. Uh, but what I did enjoy, I, I couldn't celebrate. And there was this, hmm. this feeling of, uh, sorry, everybody, I'm choking. Uh, <laughs> on my vile of emotions here. <laughs> the memory of Carl's Jr. is haunting you. Yeah. That double Western's getting me. Um, but I couldn't say, like, I made a reference to the pod race and the sounds of the, I loved the sounds of the pod race. Right. Right. But we couldn't celebrate that because everyone was just kind of nervously not wanting to admit that they didn't love it. And right. I felt like, so immediately, instead of celebrating what I did love about it, um, I, I, I focused on what I was wanting to make fun of. And I think that, 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 that colored the opinion right away. Then my friend had to get out of town leave and then I did have to kind of go back and, and maybe take a nap and get ready for work so and then they had to get on to school and you know these are very smart people these are creators themselves um um one of the guys that helped build the the, the property Invader Zim one of the character designers and he was my friend at the time and and uh, still is but these these are I respect these guys as creators right and, and even growing up and working with them on things so I felt ill prepared to debate them on anything and when the bashing began, it just, you just kind of, you're not, there's you're kind of like, well, you're not wrong on some of the stuff. And a kid did say wizard a lot. <laughs> you know? And so, but I, I felt I couldn't light any flame of joy I did have because did some did exist. Couldn't go on. Now, later on, I engaged in a great discussion with another friend of mine, a roommate at the time, who was a history student, was getting his master's degree and had a different view of it. And had connected Phantom Menace to some real world historic stuff, some 
who was kind of picking up on what George was saying politically. Yeah. And we had a great discussion about, he's like, no, this is why I love that movie. But we marked him as crazy. (laughs) Right. But I remember, and I've talked about this other places, but I remember I was again at a moment of choice where I went to my uncle's house, who's now uh, since passed away in Eagle Rock and sat here with my aunt and and him and and their living room. And I was like, no, and here's why it's good. And here's why the Gungans represent this. And you got kind of the British empire on the other side, the trade federation, this and the kind of, you know, whether or not George was referencing this actual, these actual historical events, it was there, it was present. It was in the story because it was kind of this timeless tale of politics and regimes. Right. Yeah. And I was on the cusp of digging deeper and then I just pulled out. I just pulled out. <laughs> what made you pull out? There was no one else to discuss it with on that level. Yeah. And it doesn't mean there weren't those people in the world. Because truth be told, not to get into the personal stuff, but that's this one friend of mine, my roommate. Like, we we all had a falling out with him and we're trying to get him out of the house. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was this like, well, you don't want to engage with him. He's nutty anyways. <laughs> so, and, he, and it was. And that's not fair. It was just where youths. 22 year old men unable to process feelings and emotions and communicate properly with what was going on with our real world situation. So for me to side with him was trouble, even in the house to be like, okay, Santa menace presented this stuff to it. And, and that's why I said my, you grow as a star Wars fan. And even by force awakens and, you know, I would go back and change some of our podcasts from even 2015, 16. Cause I think I, my, my views of star Wars is, is just changed and gotten yeah. back that back then I was on the cusp of it. Like I would have, I wish I would have been in Minnesota, <laughs> ran into you um, to at least gauge with it differently. Cause I just didn't have, then you go back to the office and yeah, I still want to hear about this. Everyone's making fun of it. Some people are like a uh, lightsaber fight was cool. Like everyone loved that. Um, everyone's making fun of it, but in making fun of it, we had radios, right? We were walking around patrolling and you'd call back to dispatch and we would, you know, if I said, you know, hey, unit 24, can you go, uh, you know, go uh, code six up at Spencer's on a, you know, patron flag down? I would go, Roger, Roger. And they would all <laughs> laugh and then they would do it. Roger, Roger. And that was like for like a week. So we're making fun of it, but we love it. Yep. Yep. I, I think that is one of the magic uh, things of Star Wars. And at mm-hmm. some point, the making fun of it turns into actual love because it's a, yeah. become a part of your life. Right. The, 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 the what is she proposing Rogue One line I bring up all the time. It starts out as like, well, that's a crazy line. It's my favorite moment. Like, you know, like, because it's so, it's just part of thing. And that, and then going back to hardware wars and a reference to Augie Ben Doggy is something that connects me and my friend back in ninth grade. Now that's connecting all of us in this office. So this movie, we're all like, whatever, stupid kids. And you stepped in the poo-poo and <laughs> walking around, you know, uh, going Roger Roger on a radio. Yeah. And, and still playing Star Wars. Yes, playing <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. So I do, uh, I'm. Uh, this is great, the, the Roger Roger in the mall. But I do need to know what happened to this mystery time. So if your screening was at 10, you, you know, and, and you have your Carl's Jr., what, you're done by about one, your friend's heading back. What do you do between one and seven o'clock when you've been on this emotional roller coaster of thrilled for a thing that you thought would never happen again to disappointed by it to the sparks of joy that you might have wanted to express being yeah. stumped on in a parking lot? And then you're just, what, alone for hours? What happens to you? I, I was just alone for hours. And I had, uh, <laughs> I, I did not, I never used my time productor during that era. I have, the, I have a problem of like, if my workday starts at 7 p.m., 
that my day doesn't start till 7 p.m., which was a, wa- <laughs> a waste of time. Like, um, cause it was different when I, when I was in radio, I had to get up at 5 a.m. My day started right there. Um, so I would often just sit around being lazy, wasting all the time. I could have been developing my craft as a writer and everything. It's a different issue. Um, <laughs> so I think I was just back in the early internet days. I had my dial up and, uh, poking around, but I didn't have, I didn't have a place to go. I didn't have, uh, there was one radio show and I believe, so this was, when would the movie come out? Was that a Wednesday release into Thursday? I believe so. So I'll, I'll look it up as we talk. Yeah. To answer your question directly, I don't have a lot of memory of that. Um, my friend had to get out of town. Everyone else went back to work or school. I was kind of left alone and don't, I, I mean, don't, it wasn't like I was sitting there pouting or denying. I just, I just don't probably went on the internet, probably grabbed my sin escapes to see how close it got to the predictions. Because even then, <laughs> predictions were important, right? Yeah. Um, which is silly. But yeah, it was, I didn't really get to engage with it. And then there was a, a radio show he still listened to on 97.1 with Louis Quinones, who's still around. I actually ran into him at uh, After Buzz when we were doing, doing stuff over there. He had a show on there. And he was the only person on this FM talk station. He had a movie show on Saturday nights. And that was, and you know it too, Joseph, like the, that stuff, it was like, you know, Cisco and Ebert, Leonard Malton, and that was it. Yeah. You have, you, no one had a place to talk about this unless you, you were at the lunch table or a break room. And this was a radio show and he brought it up and that colored my opinion greatly going forward in a negative way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday, May 19th, 1999. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 To, for all, uh, to handle all of the mass audiences. Uh, all right. So, uh, when you're at work and you're Roger Rogering, uh, when when do you plan on seeing the, the movie again? Like you already had tickets, right? So how long until you saw it a second time and could uh, solidify your opinion? I want to say it was the next Monday because uh, I had Sundays and Mondays off. I do remember that. It was my, those were my days off for a decade. It was weird. Um, so yeah, so Monday, I don't even remember who I saw it with. Um, I saw it. I do remember because like, you know, we are the type of fans that count these kind of things. I saw it eight times in the theater. And the last, wow. last one was that, did you remember they did it like, digital print Hmm. new and it was like this new technology digital come see star wars that was the last time i saw it wow so okay if you you had problems with it the first time you saw it you had other people around you adding to those problems and you still saw it seven more times by the end of that whole run right when it's Mm -hmm. it's leaving the theater you've seen it that many times you must have solidified into like i don't like this i don't like this but i do like this did it yeah. Did that? Did you like your love of the pod race and the sounds and oh, I like this one expression Qui Gon makes. Yeah. Had you had you like picked by the end of that that uh, run, you must have picked these are the moments I like and that's what I'm holding on to as I watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is those little moments. That's why you know I hold on to those little moments, the sounds, the looks, the tiny little things. I hold on to it so much as a Star Wars fan. I think it's so important to our fandom because just the sound of Sebulba's pod might have brought me back for uh, two viewings, you know, because I just <laughs> wanted to hear it again and just seeing Maul in action, just hearing Duel of the Fates when, when the door opens and Maul's there and, and revealed like that was, uh, I needed to hear that again. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to hear the door open and, and yeah. Yeah. And to be like, did I see that right? Did Maul point at that piece of machinery before he threw it with the force to open the door? <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So any other thoughts on, on your first experiences with Phantom Menace? 
It was, uh, it's, it's so much is fuzzy around it now. Um, and I'm not, I mean, again, seeing it eight times, um, it's a weird time and, 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 and it's a lesson for us, all, all of us Star Wars fans going forward. Why I think taking a breath and seeing where it lands for you, not everything's going to work. And I mentioned like that radio show, but that Saturday night, I was, I would always uh, you know, come to work at 7 PM. And a lot of times I would be getting into the security vehicle driving around the parking lot there. And I, so I, which I love cause I could get the radio on and I put on 97 one here in LA, a talk station and Louis show came on and he was ripping it apart based a lot on little details on the extras. He was his big, I remember this thing he was talking about of, um, the extras, he goes, just the extras in them are so bad. And a lot of times you can base a movie off how good the extras are. Generally, <laughs> true. Um, there's extras by nature, not the best performers, but um, in the pod race scene. And so a lot of times I'll still to this day, when we were just talking about Phantom Menace on Star Wars Rank last week, I'll see some of those extras he was referring. And it's still in my mind, his critique of them. A lot of them are in the wow. podcast. A lot of them are in that when they're doing the cheering and they got the hands and it's almost like a modern movement where they're dressed as a, as a weak way or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't believe that Ishi Tib actually cares about yeah, the Padres. Doing, doing like hands in the air, waving them like they just don't care and they're in the Padres. Yeah, and and um, uh, yeah, I can get, I, I, I wow. it, it's so weird. It's still in my mind. But 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 the lesson is, is um, there was stuff there and a lot of the things that I love about it now were present there. Um, but it was, it was that time where you couldn't find the narrative was, it, it was horrible and yeah. the narrative. And that's, we, you and I run into that. All of us here in the star Wars fandom, especially in the pundit world run into that where sometimes a critique, maybe that starts as justified or starts as realistic, just spitballs and snowballs, I should say into, well, that's the narrative. They fired those directors to the movies bad. In and, a, a valid opinion, but that is different than snowballing into just sort of becoming the internet fact. Yeah. And that was a lot of early, the early thing of that. And then plus the, you know, the horror, you know, Jar Jar and, and the horrible things about Jake, Jake Lloyd, which we look back mm. now and it's, it's, it's horrific, it's horrific. And, um, and, and yeah, so a lot of that was floating in my head in those first eight viewings. Yeah. So here, here's actually, uh, my, my final question for your, uh, beginning your yeah. your <laughs> every saga has a beginning and this is the beginning of your saga with phantom menace at the end of those eight viewings when the sort of the the explosion of phantom menace is dying down are you uh looking at the horizon with hope towards attack the clones which we don't even know the episode two at that point right. or are you like eh, we'll see <laughs> no nah, hope all the way hope um, all the way hope. Uh, I, I, I was so excited about sitting outside that theater uh, debating with my friend that the Jedi might actually be the bad guy here, which upset him, <laughs> um, which still upsets him to this day. Um, though we could have more nuanced conversation about justice for the Jedi. No, I, the, the, the hope spring eternal, because again, you, you may, you might think you hate it and maybe it isn't your favorite, but whoa, 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 brings you back. Uh, you, you say Roger <laughs> Roger to the point where now you kind of love it. Um, and you get to, you do kind of in the end celebrate what's there for you. And some people might leave it, might leave it behind and be completely fine with it. Yeah. Um, that's one, that's an option too. In fact, I wish more people would do that. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. But years later you're like, yeah, but that lightsaber fight was really cool. And that there's great value in that to me. I never absolutely. Yeah. When someone says, yeah, I don't like Rise of Skywalker. I do like that one little moment. That's 
everything to me because that means you're you're around. You're sticking around. There's something there for you. Uh, that is very well said. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll uh, talk a little bit uh, about my memories of my beginning of the saga with the beginning of the saga and uh, and then some kind of wrap-up questions. Uh, Ken said some great stuff uh, about insights and what we learned, but we'll wrap up with even more. We'll be back in just a moment. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And we are back to continue our discussion of the first time we saw The Phantom Menace, or in Ken's case, the first eight times he saw The Phantom Menace. Uh, I am going to pass the interviewing baton to Ken so he can ask me about uh, my journey toward and through The Phantom Menace. Yeah, this is wonderful. This is that shared unique journey because we don't know each other. It be decades even before we <laughs> actually get to know each other, uh, but I love it. Uh uh, what what was uh where were you at in the time too? Let's start. The, let's actually get to the basics. Name, place, location. <laughs> yeah. So 1999, uh, living on my own, uh, taking my first step into a larger world in many ways. Uh, I am working at uh, Kinko's in the IDS Center in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and that is a, kind of a, a stressful uh, work environment. I'm moving up the ranks. Uh, I intended it to just be like a, a job that I do, but then I got a little obsessive like I do. And, you know, so I was uh, moving up in the ranks and I was, uh, I can't, I think, I think I was already an assistant manager or it was maybe right before I got promoted to assistant manager at Kinko's. Uh, I was doing lots of uh, sketch comedy shows, improv shows, and uh, comedy variety shows. Uh, in in particular, had uh, only recently started that year a show that uh, my brother and a bunch of friends and I did for a long time called uh, Look Mono Pants, which was kind of a, a late night, body naughty mm. <laughs> uh, comedy variety show. And uh, over the the, la- the the previous years, starting around 96, 97, I had kind of fallen in with this group of friends who were all, uh, you know, young comedians, writers, improv people, performers, and uh, all just diehard nerds, geeks, everything, you know, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, all of it. So I was have this thrill of being surrounded by people who were so excited, so intrigued, so all in on Star Wars both in my my comedy life, which was what I kind of thought of as my real life, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then my Kinko's life, which was supposed to be just a day job, but was growing quite a bit yeah. to be my real life. Um, it, it, the, there was a ton of excitement there, too. Um, my manager was an incredibly intense uh, man uh, who really challenged people. Uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in High Republic, where Loden uh, uh, Great Storm just uh, shoves uh, Bell Zedifar yeah. <laughs> off a cliff? <laughs> Uh, to prove he could, uh, he could stop himself. Yeah. He, th- th- my manager was Loden Great Storm, <laughs> but with copies, <laughs> extremely expensive copies. You, uh, yeah, go ahead, go for it. Well, you, you and I, you and I both felt the the dip in Star Wars popularity as as you know our generation does. But you are you are experiencing a different uh, 
environment, a different creative environment, which from a distance, maybe even stereotypically, I would think would be more, like you just said, more welcoming of Star Wars, was the anticipation building up in the mid-90s. I was at film school for a little bit, and there was a lot of people pushing up their glasses at Star Wars, but they still loved it. So the anticipation was muted, but growing. Did you have a different experience in the mid-90s, special edition era, building up the, the growth of Star Wars again? Yeah, I think for me, yeah, it was like pockets, right? Because, you know, I was still in college and I was, my major was art and, and, and that I, there were not Star Wars fans. And if they were, they were extremely quiet about it. And I already kind of dabbled a little bit in the pop culture in some of my paintings. And and there was some sighs and shakes of the head at that. It was not a place. (laughs) This was art, not pop culture i think some of that has has changed a lot uh definitely this is totally veering into stereotypes which i'm so i'm so sorry that uh yeah. the stereotypes had to happen because they're so so destructive uh mm. to to all genders but i definitely had the i gotta tread really carefully if there's a girl i like of of yeah. kind of revealing my full self in terms of how much uh this pop culture stuff means to me uh and then i had this little pocket of then i'm doing doing shows with friends by 99, it was this extremely liberating experience where my real life, my whole life was doing shows with friends and a lot of the stuff that used to feel like a weakness, everything from loving Star Wars to still collecting action figures to um, I was very scrawny and I was so uh, ashamed of that. And like I was doing comedy shows where like, I don't care. I'm going to take my shirt off on stage and how scrawny my brother and I are part of the joke. So for me, it was like a time of really like, it, the things that I used to be uh, scared to share, I'm going to be loud and proud about, and they're going to give me strength. Um, Kinko's uh, is still a little, <laughs> a little in my shell, but I felt so safe because my extremely like cult of personality intense manager mm-hmm. was all in. He did the very similar thing to you. He had his copy of the novelization, and I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, busy speed collating. you know color copies uh, for thousands of dollars and he just looked up at me he's like finish the book yeah anakin doesn't have a dad he just he just gets born (laughs) he just he just looked up at me and spoiled it uh so i think for me it was this time of uh liberation which is weird to say Mm. but but it really was yeah no go go to what we're talking about earlier this this was the dawn of that 99 such a great era for some of these films the matrix comes to mind this and that where it's like this kind of stuff was Bring back. I, I've, yeah, I've always just been curious. I, I think there's a lot of similarities in our upbringing, but there was a uh, one point it, you were more surrounded by um, like-minded nerds, if you will. You know, I say respectfully, mm-hmm. where I was not. I, I took this path of of yeah, bury it deep down. Where literally, I had two friends <laughs> in my house saying, "Take all these toys and get get rid of them." Um, so I've always been curious about that. Um, and uh, what about the anticip- toys, the soundtrack, all that kind of stuff? Did you have a similar experience with that? Yeah, I think I got warned about the soundtrack. I w- it wasn't a huge soundtrack guy, so what, that wasn't a natural thing for me to go out and buy. And I think friends found out and warned me of like, don't look at the soundtrack. Um, the, the figures, I was, you know, figures are such a huge part of my journey. Uh, so in on the Power of the Force uh, two figures. So uh, yeah, the day that, I, I don't remember hearing about it. I didn't go to 
uh, a, a midnight showing or midnight showing uh, the opening, the reveal of the toys. Um, I think I knew what day they were and I, I went to target and, you know, wasn't even sure that that was the day. Uh, I, I didn't even have a television that was working at this point. Honestly, I had a black and white that got one channel. I could watch squiggly Simpsons uh, reruns in black and white. And that was it. I was not very connected. <laughs> well, that's, how, did you, how did you get a lot of this information word of mouth friends? I mean, yeah, we can make the jokes about different time, different era, but even then that's, I guess it is all word of mouth at that point. Yeah, friends. There's a Barnes and Noble uh, across the Skyway from Kinko's. So I would go look at magazines, you know, and, right. it, you know, the, we ran CNN on, yeah. in Kinko's uh, in, on the television. So if they said something, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the I went to a Target and they were there. And I think it must have been that they didn't have uh, like Obi-Wan and Maul and Qui-Gon already. Um, so I, I remember going to like driving to like four different targets. Wow. It's like, I had my pattern down from power of the force Two. when a new wave would come out, I would go to these targets and yeah. And it, I have a strong memory of that day because I'm going, trying to find, you know, Obi-Wan, Maul and Qui-Gon because those are the ones I really wanted. Yeah. Uh, and I ran into a, a friend that I had been doing shows with, but then I hadn't seen him in like a year and he was there looking at the toys like, cool. And then your girlfriend who's pregnant oh wow cool i always remember that of like weird news and like i i still know these people i later did shows with them and uh, have met their child who was uh, you know in utero looking at phantom menace action figures uh what did you feel when you got chancellor valorum in your hands <laughs> uh the, i wanted him you know to be like zod everything it was about yeah. zod everybody's so excited because zod from superman 2 right yeah. Is going to be in, in Phantom Menace. So yeah. I, I just, I don't think, I maybe got R2 or 3PO, but it was, I just wanted the cool Jedi and Maul. Everything was mm -hmm. Maul, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Maul. I mean, I, I think I still have one of mine in back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that, and that, and that, that's uh, where Force Friday and everything, we kind of became big, big later on. I mean, th those figures got me more excited for the movie than even the trailer, I thought. Which oh yeah, same. I was excited, but a little nervous. I was a little nervous because like the what? battle droids, like I liked them in the trailer, but the battle droids, like, you know, do they look as cool or as scary? Like I wanted them to be scary. You know, right. so much about our reception of Phantom Menace at the time is I don't think I even quite realized how much I needed it. You know, when I watched the original trilogy again and again in those days, getting hyped for it, mm. I, I, I connected to the depth I connected to like, yeah, Luke's pain. That's like when this girl broke up with me <laughs> or when this show didn't go well. And like, I, I, you know, and I so was connected to the, the pain. And I loved the way that Han looks after Luke when he's leaving and in that pain of, oh no, is he not going to be okay? And I, you know, I still had some issues with the Ewoks, but I loved it when Luke was, you know, watching the pyre of his father. And I was so into like right. the action and the, deep emotion like I, I i had turned star wars in my mind to emo only yeah <laughs> and didn't quite entirely realize it and was getting nervous about the like uh it's not gonna be cute or jokey is it and without realizing star wars has always been cute or jokey you're just focusing on those yeah. parts yeah so so you're saying so literally the battle droid figures was your first where i was in the theater listening to them landing a ship you you were looking at the battle droid figure going this is, this is a little different yeah, yeah. And I remember walking into uh, this uh, place called Shinders that was, uh, it was baseball cards, comic books, mm. and magazines, and then a back room for adult magazines. Uh, so I would I would go to Shinders all the time. 
Yeah. There are many Shenders. This is the downtown Shenders. At one point, this is a side story, I was looking at the comic books and two people pushed past me because uh, they were in an absolute rush to get to the the adult uh, magazines in the back. And it was uh, Roseanne and her husband at the time, Tom Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> They're in town doing a big show and they just needed to get back to that room. Uh, side story. Walked into Shenders once in, and on the magazine, I think the Vanity Fair was the first time I saw Jar Jar. Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. Because, again, remember, this is an entirely different perception. I was cognizant of Empire. I liked that it was, even as a kid, I liked that it felt like heavy stakes. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't like the Ewoks. It was like, I have stuffed animals, and I like them. They're cute and fun. But eh, why do, 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 I need, do I need toy bears in, in Star Wars? Uh, so I had that, like, oh, no. Mm. Is Jar Jar going to be like an Ewok? All these years later, like, thematically, yes. And it's very important and good. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, I had some Jar Jar concern i had some battle droids concerns like is it gonna be weighty and emotional scary you know well yeah and again when they say roger roger it's like well i ain't afraid of that yeah there's absolutely some connection i think there yeah yeah so i definitely had a a real um concern yeah what what was your relationship to the trail at this point uh are you a uh, bought a ticket for meet joy black person or did you get a job with a theater with a lobby that you could sneak into uh yeah i um it had been queued up and played for me uh at kinko's (laughs) with the download time uh so i i remember watching i think i might have seen it first on a uh and uh mac (laughs) kinko's an old mac um but then 99 in many many film buffs right uh that's an amazing year for films right Uh, So I was going to the movie theater a lot. Uh, I went to see The Matrix with my dad because I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a conventional action movie. And then, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) wet Keanu waking up in a pod. I'm not sure what my dad thought of that. Uh, But I'm sure I saw the trailer a bunch of times in the theater and loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, it looked like that. It's still an amazing shot, right? Of the, you think you're just looking at these, uh, this uh, misty plants and it's the Gungans coming forward and the, the battle droids trying to escape the explosion. And uh, I was so, so obsessed with, Oh, what do they want revenge for? What does, what, you know, what did the Jedi do to Darth Maul? (laughs) Right. So I was all in on the trailer. Oh yeah. Wipe them out. All of them is chill inducing. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Tickets, your ticket, ticket by an experience. Did you, cause I got heat stroke waiting for, well, heat exhaustion, not stroke waiting for my tickets for my friends. I bet you got frostbite waiting perhaps for you. <laughs> uh yeah it was, well i can't remember i'll have to look up on the uh, farmer's almanac how hot it was but definitely by may it was you're getting into hot times uh in in uh, the twin cities there uh i had friends who who found a deal where they could wait in line for the midnight tickets and then they could get an allotment of tickets so uh we had a couple friends who who took shifts doing the actual wait in line good friend of mine still still good friends uh got to see him uh when i went back to minneapolis for our annual bar crawl just a few months ago uh and he had got the ticket so he had done all the waiting in line but we were still gonna need to get there um to line up for the actual uh seats because right. <laughs> it was just tickets no assigned seating as you were recalling yeah do you remember how many in your party did you how many you saw the film with Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So this is Doug and Laurel and uh, Tim and Calvin and my brother and his wife and it's, uh, like yeah, there's a good there was a good ten or twelve of us in our immediate circle who were doing things together all the time, doing uh, comedy and shows together. Of like this this big group of people, um, and I just vivid, vividly remember 
so much about that day. I, I was at Kinko's during the day for that midnight showing. And my manager came and said, you're seeing it tonight. And, and I was like, yeah, he's like, well, you got to leave early just to get ready. <laughs> so like my manager told me to leave Kinko's early. Uh, and I remember I, uh, uh, my good buddy, uh, Tim, who I'm still friends with as well, did a ton of comedy with over the years. I, he, he didn't, he doesn't drive. I went and picked him up and I, I remember like just in that mundane thing of like, I pick up Tim all the time, but this is the time I'm picking up Tim to see star Wars, oh, <laughs> like just really savoring every moment of it. And then we got to this theater as a Invergrove Heights, which is a, a suburb at the time, one of the, the first places where like, we have seats where like it's raked like a big auditorium. So you don't have to worry about people's heads. And we're like, wow, amazing, new and mind blowing, right? That we had to go out to the suburbs, uh, for that experience, uh, at that time. And, uh, we ended up, the line ended up breaking down and I remember the, the theater people were like, okay, we don't normally open the theater this early, but we're going to open it mm. and, and we're going to let you come sit inside. And everybody just like, you know, hundreds of people sat down, uh, at, you know, like we, like we were going to like sing little campfire songs and like sat cross-legged on the floor <laughs> <laughs> talking and joking. Yeah. And the person who had organized the entire line, mm. um, and, and Ben first in line for the tickets, like stood up and made this just bizarro speech. I think I've mentioned it before on Four Center, but you know, it was like, we are seeing Star Wars. And everybody's like, eh, applause, yay. And he's like, I have been to this theater X amount of times. I have stood in line for this amount of days. I have made this many sacrifices. I have only eight uh -oh. granola bars. I have scientifically studied the very best seat in the entire theater. It's this one by name and number. And if anyone even approaches that seat, I will take you down. And it, it was this incredible intensity that went from joy and hope <laughs> to fear and anger. And I remember one of my friends leaning over to me when he was going on and on about how many sacrifices he made. He's like, well, who made that choice? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Who's the, the fool? The, the fool that falls. Um, that, yeah, that speech is in the spirit of, of Star Wars. No, uh, <laughs> it was a very general Huck speech. It started out joyful. It started out as maybe Poe and it turned into Huck on these seats on which we stand what was uh having the trailer the toys the speculation uh in 10 to 12 in a group were you guys sitting around plotting out the movie already did you have that experience or just all just the joy yeah i think it was the joy i definitely remember uh, like lots of hanging out at the bar after shows conversations earlier but that day i think it was just joy i think it was just joking around mm. uh like because it, it was such a group like you know like one of my friends uh uh Calvin uh, has had this um, this ironic uh, obsession with fart jokes. So, mm -hmm. like, we would always be playing games where he would be like, "Okay, uh, how do superheroes fart?" <laughs> <laughs> so we were play playing some dumb game like that, you know. Wow, Ca Calvin must have really loved Phantom Menace. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Big Eopi fan. He's mad that they didn't use the cut where the Eopi <laughs> farted even longer. 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 Uh, do you, uh, get your seats. Uh, uh, take me to the theater. But also, we. Uh, I like. Uh, I didn't. I don't remember eating food that day. Did you, oh. Are you a snacky at a theater guy, or are you guys? Uh, someone go get those, and and, and you have uh, juju bees in your hands for Star Wars. Yeah, every once in a while I'll eat a hot dog, but I finish it before the movie starts. Uh, and these days where you can get uh, drinks in the theater, if I can get a cocktail, great. Every once in a while I'll, I'll have a beer, I'll sip it. Uh, but I have a very, very weak uh, bladder. Yeah. So I, I, pro I probably just didn't drink fluid. I probably didn't even look at anyone's fluid. I didn't have anything. 
Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I think there was oddly enough. I'm I'm in sync with you on that one too, and and, and the latter thing. Um, uh, this this episode, if it runs longer, we're gonna take a break now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't want to be distracted. So it sounds like you just didn't want to be distracted. No, I was all in, all in on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, take it, take me to that moment, man. You got ten of your twelve of your best friends. You've been waiting your whole life for this. You've been carrying the Star Wars flame. Uh, yeah, the trailers drop. I don't even remember. I remember it might have been a trailer for the beach, the DiCaprio movie. I can't remember, but. Then we hit. Then we hit. Yeah. There are definitely some Jedi robes. There are definitely some uh, lightsabers. A um, lot of screaming. A lot of hooping and hollering. And I remember that huge explosion from Lucasfilm 20th Century Fox. And it just died down. And it, is, it, and it was that. I remember it because it happened again uh, when the sequel came out. Of like, I, I just like as somebody who like. Uh, you you've done this as well. Been a host of like, mm. you know, you're just gonna keep applauding. So there's there's no reason to dive down. Just keep it going. Keep, keep it going. going. Keep it going for your next comedian. <laughs> <laughs> but for the intro of Star Wars, and I remember the comic, you know, uh, being all in it emotionally of just that permission to scream. Right? Yeah. No, no. All those years of hey, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> reveal uh how many action figures I own. You know, uh. None of that. Just let it out. Scream. So it was that for the beginning, and then it died down, and then it started again <laughs> for a long time ago, and it died down a little bit, and then it went bigger than ever for the actual Star Wars. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Did you did you even hear the music? It was so loud, I didn't hear. I just saw the music. Yeah, no, it, it was just it, it was nothing but emotion, just the scream, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And then I think uh, definitely for me, as soon as it started, there's like, okay, what's the very first line? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think the moment for me where I was like, ooh, uh, is the first time an Emodian says, uh, are you brain dead? Mm. Because I, mm. I and a lot of my friends had had the real like uh, fantasy should be fantasy or science fiction right. should be science fiction. There shouldn't be real world things in it. And that was one of the hardest things for me about Force Awakens of the squeeze me and I don't care what universe you're from. That's got to hurt. Yeah. Those were the things where I just kind of had you know, it's much more rigid in those days. And like, that's wrong. <laughs> right. You don't make modern references, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we've taught, excuse me. And I'm a huge Wayne's world fan. I just, that, that, uh, and whether that was super intentional or not, I don't know. Don't care. It just was there. So that's, yeah. so you're hitting that. So, yeah. So I, w- I want to know what you, because, because your love of, of the prequels has, has been on your sleeve for a long time now. Uh, perhaps even carried a flame in a digital media era where where that flame needed to be you know stamped out by a lot of people. When you when you see for the first time that crawl and, and it's trade federation disputes, it's a blockade, and uh, we're going to something different. Did you have a reaction to that, or were you just still screaming? Yeah, I, no, I was not upset by like, oh no, it's going to be political. Just like the political or not, boring or not, didn't enter into my head. I was concerned about stakes, right? Because I, I think like you, I was like, okay, well, the original trilogy is, you know, Galactic Civil War. It's the uh, Empire versus the uh, Rebellion. And doesn't seem like from the trailers that the Clone Wars have started. So are the stakes going to be big enough? That's what was on my head of like, what's the conflict? Who are they fighting? I'm not sure if the battle droids look scary enough. What's the conflict? And I think that I had a little bit of a jumble there because I was waiting for like, <laughs> like a sporting game, you know, who's team A and who's team B. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. And, and it's by, by, on purpose, it's not very clear. It's the Phantom Menace. It's the Phantom Menace and the stakes are quite high. It, it, and it took me a while to appreciate that. And if you watch the movie, like, yes, uh, people are being rounded up, and tortured and dying. The stakes are on a global level. The stakes are there. By a corporation's army. Um, yeah. 
uh, who also has representation in the Senate. But, uh, yeah. Um, take me through the opening scenes. You, you mentioned a little bit of the, the Modian stuff comes on and you're like, not sure. Did you ever have uh, during the th- theater, like where I had some distinct, I don't know, I got a bad feeling about this. Did you have that there? When did it maybe start to unravel or were you just enjoying it? I wasn't enjoying it. There were definitely grumbles uh, around me, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that there was, um, there was, you know, I th- just the real surface level acting stuff people were responding to. Of yeah. it is a different style of performance, and if you, especially if you spend a lot of times watching the original trilogy, the trilogy, the moments you'd gravitated to are not the moments where they're they're trying to say the more complex dialogue. It is those little moments, like I don't know. Do you think a uh, princess and a guy like me could no, you know, it's those, those really kind of charming and human moments. Mm-hmm. And I now feel like those are there absolutely in the prequels, but it's a different style of performance. And uh, it is people who really love it. Think of it as a different style of performance. People who don't like the Fendi Menace would say the acting is wooden wherever you are on that spectrum. That's what a lot of the people around me, I think we're reacting to. Yeah. is just the actual performance. And we already mentioned it. It's so hard that, you know, is Jake Lloyd a good actor or not? You know, we don't need to hear, uh, you know, Darth Vader say yippee. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of the negativity that I could almost feel burbling <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Yeah, it isn't, it, 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 you know, it becomes about Jake, unfortunately, tragically. But really it was like our our superhero, our supervillain mass murderer we love is, is a kid and we didn't accept that. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and you know with the, the line delivery and all all that kind of stuff but as it was going on i remember just kind of being shocked that it was as different as it was and i couldn't even put a finger on what it was i think i think uh yeah i, I had plenty of evidence like it's the phantom menace that is you know mm. palpatine uh, but we didn't know palpatine as as the master manipulator yet he was the emperor who was in charge you know right <laughs> uh so i think i didn't it took me a while. I think I I remember getting like a little frustrated when we by the time we got to Coruscant of going like, what's the plot? What does he want? Uh, and being a little impatient in that moment. Yeah, uh, but what stood out? The things that you did like early on the first first go round, the first screen. yeah. Every second that anyone had a lightsaber, I was in heaven. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I, I, I like TC-14. You know, I gravitated towards the things that I knew. I thought that was really cool to see different uh, protocol droid. The, the shot where, uh, you know, TC-14 thinks the Jedi might be dead and then the lightsabers ignite. You know, I think uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. I think probably got a round of applause because <laughs> back then that wasn't like we've heard it a million times. It was much more like the secret that us hardcore Star Wars knew that they say that in every movie. Right. Um yeah, but it, no, I just, I, I loved Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was like, wow, this is amazing possibility that this old man could also be youthful. And I've talked about this a lot, that the mm-hmm. fact that he's he's young and just taking his first steps in the world. I really, I imprinted on him. And it was just like, mm-hmm. it, any second where Ewan McGregor is on screen, I love this movie again. Every, and then other things I'm questioning, I'm not sure about. But Ewan <laughs> McGregor, it's on. Uh, they got lightsabers out. I loved, um, uh, so... I, I love the Tuscan Raiders uh, shooting right, yeah. <laughs> just because it, it was also like funny. Cause it's not, it wasn't just, Hey, they, we saw them and they did the thing. It's like you petty jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I loved um, the, uh, the Jedi council scene. Like I was, I was bummed that they weren't igniting their lightsabers, mm-hmm. but I just love seeing anything about the Jedi. And I thought Yarl Poof was funny from the first screening. Right. Um, 
of course, of course, loved the the lightsaber fight. Everything was about that lightsaber fight for me, the big lightsaber fight uh, at the end. But I also did enjoy immediately that first viewing, the design of the Senate and everything happening in the Senate because I thought Ian McDermott was great. So, and, and I felt like that's where everything started to kind of come together for me. Uh, so I really enjoyed the political stuff. And then like you, I think the negativity around it uh, felt a little pressure not to like that. Yeah. And going back to those moments, uh, I'm curious, we're learning stuff about the Jedi, which I think perhaps maybe now we take for granted. Right. I mean, but back then in 99, even them seeing him in those robes, even in the Vanity Fair pictures or something, it was kind of like, oh, OK, this is how Jedi dress for me, you know, uh, was confirmation of thoughts about you know, what Obi-Wan was wearing in New Hope, whatever. But like, I remember my audience laughing when uh, Qui-Gon calls uh, uh, Obi-Wan his Padawan. Like they laughed. Wow. Like it was a joke. Did, did you experience, were the, that moment specifically or any other moments where the audience around you or even your friend group's reaction around you might have influenced your taking in of a scene or a moment? No, I mean, I think maybe my friend group a little bit because I think that there was some, <laughs> like literally that little noise at like, line deliveries really responding i think to the acting Mm. um and but there was nothing negative in the in the theater uh there wasn't any laughing at anything or any groans or anything the the theater experience was still pretty pretty into it until uh you know and then there's that you could feel that huge shoot up of energy because i think for the baggage that a lot of us had either knowingly or unknowingly the duel you know that we'd already seen it in the trailer but the mall you know, and then right. take it off and we'll handle this. I remember feeling like just like absolute, like uh, emotional roller coaster from the scenes of the lightsaber fight to, uh, you know, Jar Jar hitting his crotch. <laughs> like, how could I, how could I love and resist something at the same time so much within mere seconds? Yeah. No, no. Well said. I only asked. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was laughter at the Padawan, which, which made me always think weird of that w- word, which was just fun. We were learning something new about it. Um, so the, yeah, so we get to boss Nass peace orb music's plan, uh, lights come up. You've got a large group. That's, that's a lot of varying, potentially varying opinions around you, your immediate circle. Forget the theater. You got 10, 12 people. Yeah. Uh, so take. Yeah. So like when the film ended. Yeah. So yeah. Unless there's any other moments you want to talk about that stand out about your experience watching it. I, I, I want to know that cause that, I had f- four people around me. So yeah. it was a muted conversation at best. Um, not that you, you can, it just takes two to scream, but uh, that's a lot of people in a parking lot giving their thoughts. Yeah. And you know what? There wasn't a ton of parking lot thought. It was an incredibly weird mood mm. because, you know, this was a midnight showing, you know, I think, I think we got there at like six, like, so we were in that lobby <laughs> like we were locked down from some natural disaster for hours. And then that incredibly weird emotional roller coaster where that huge thrill. And then because of the era, because of the time, because of the generations, a lot of um, what did I just see? Even the people who weren't like, yeah, saw it. here, here, here are the 18 problems. It's bad, period. Even the other people were like, I'm kind of in shock, exhausted, and it's 2 a.m. <laughs> And it was just, I remember just almost finding it funny, like people were kind of uh, drunk on Star Wars and just (laughs) drifting away. (laughs) Good drunk, bad drunk, I don't know. But just like, 
drifting away. And I remember like being tired and a lot of my friends just take, took off and, and yeah. I remember just kind of chatting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, not sure. <laughs> and just kind of like really trying to, I remember specifically like really piecing together like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, obviously, Palpatine was behind it all, but you know, what what exactly was it doing? When? When's it acting right? And I remember, uh, you know, I think uh, I I am often an optimist, almost to a fault. Um, but I remember just I remember saying, but everything about that duel was so great. Even that that you know, I didn't know the term laser gate. Like when those shields closed and Qui Gon bent down and Maul was pacing. It's like, it's like, it, you know, like, did George Lucas direct all of that? Because <laughs> I thought that everything about that was so great and of yeah. course in, in in retrospect it's because that's what i wanted that's that's the yeah. you know star wars is a, is a cocktail it's a buffet whatever metaphor you want and, and it has different ingredients in different amount and that was the ingredient i wanted yeah it yeah it, it super served at that point yeah it, it, it did in a lot of ways and it, it felt so adult uh you know in a, in a movie that we're, we're hearing Piusa and Wizard and all that kind of stuff. That makes sense to me. Uh, so you got to head home. It's late. You probably got an early shift at Kinko's. Uh, how did this movie live with you the next few days? And when did you see it next? Yeah, so it, it was weird because I, I definitely uh, had my own challenges with it. The The next day, the mm-hmm. debates started. Right. Uh, reviews started to come in. And I started to get the like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a great movie. It's got all these problems. But I really liked these parts. And I just immediately like literally the next day was just like, yeah, but I really like these parts. And, um, yeah, I went, uh, I went into work at Kinko's. I had lunch at a Taco Bell instead of a Carl's Jr. (laughs) And talked to a a friend from Kinko's about it. And it was still like collecting whatever those little pogs or chits or whatever it was that, uh, (laughs) Taco Bell was. And even though uh, the thing that I remember is even though I was like settling into like, yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. This is a problem. That is a problem. Um, I settled into just like, but it's Star Wars and I love, you know, this part and I love this part and I just want to continue to live in that world. And none of my negativity deterred from any of my action figure collecting. In fact, I got more, uh, got to have the outlet of, we did a lot of different comedy sketches, (laughs) you know, poking fun of it, jokes about it uh, uh, for years and um, for me, I, it was kind of like a long, stretched out version of your great story about Roger Roger of mm. this weird relationship. Or even though we've been negative about it, right. we're immediately embracing it. Both the parts we liked and the parts that we were initially poking fun at. But the more we poke fun at it, the more we live with it. And the more it, it's this Star Wars magic where it jumps off the screen and becomes part of our lives. I, yeah, and I love that feeling. And I want to ask you too, especially uh, as as you're engaging it with it, similar but slightly different than me at this time, and 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 willing to celebrate what's there. When you're surrounded by that, whether it be at the workplace, whether it be early online stuff, where magazines come out a week, two weeks later, and reviews are in, and they're not all good. How much? How many times do you question yourself on what you do love? Where you're like, did I really love that lightsaber fight, or do I just want to love that lightsaber fight? Because that's something I still can battle with as a Star Wars fan. Did I love? Canto bite like I really do, or maybe I'm just wanting to because everyone else around me doesn't like it. Like I battle with that still. At 99, that was a different, similar but different battle to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I have become. I still have that every once in a while, but I still it, it, try to be firm to uh, just l- listen to your instincts and and like what you like. And and there's such a di- big difference. We've been talking about this lately. There's such a big difference between you just go to a movie and you like it or you don't, versus all right, you're going to have an opinion and. You 
want to make an argument and you go to the film and what is the evidence in the film that supports my position? And you make an argument to try to present your, like those are two different things and they get blurred all the time. And I think they harm our discussion. Like, Hey, your opinion is your opinion. If somebody wants to tell me a part of star Wars that they don't like, and it's their opinion. Great. If somebody says this is for sure the problem, then I'm like, okay, well, where's your evidence? Those are two different discussions, you know, show your work. Yeah. Yeah, Show your work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, and I, I didn't have those opportunities a ton back then, right? So mm-hmm. I, I did not, to answer your question, I did not question anything about the fight of the lightsabers. Anybody who didn't like that is like, you're lost. That's great. <laughs> I like the political stuff and people did wear me down a little bit on that. Of like, you know, the original Star Wars is just like, you don't need to know why. They're just racing around in explosions. And this one's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's Star Wars. It's the most thrilling thing ever. Oh, it's ta- about taxes. And I made all those jokes and I got into that. And then, you know, I really had a huge turnaround when I read Chris Taylor's book and like, mm. and, and, you know, was reminded of the prologue in, in the new hope novelization. Like it yeah. was meant to be political. It is political. That was a story he wanted to tell. And it, I, I should have let it in. That That's a great, yeah. The Chris Taylor book is interesting because it also presents the, the Phantom Menace script that wasn't, and, and there's some great stuff in there, but we can, what you can, what if anything in star Wars to death. Uh, but there was, yeah, there was some, I love I love what you're saying there, connecting it to something because I, I grew up reading that prologue, dreaming. I was talking about how I searched for Journal of the Wills. I thought it was a real book in a bookstore and I kept bo- bothering my mom to take me around. And how much this connects, <laughs> how much the description of Mon Mothma connects to the plot of Star Wars Rebels. It's it's all there. We can laugh and poke now. But that was the the lay of the land. I remember Simpsons making a joke about, uh, you know, resolutions and political talk and how could that be in Star Wars when we all know the original trilogy was a rebellion against an empire? It's pretty political. Um, <laughs> Joseph now, I know very well. Joseph then, who maybe was a little bit more open to uh, some Star Wars snark. Uh, you and I are love. We're open to Star Wars snark, but jokes. But back then it, it, it was, uh, you know, a little more free form, free flowing of uh, let's make fun of this stuff. Uh, in the weeks after, at off your Kinko's boss, what was the conversations like other than your loss about the lightsaber fight? Yeah, I remember every once in a while people having things they liked. I remember a guy I worked with at Kinko's was like, yeah, but Ewan McGregor nailed that Alec Guinness accent and that's great. Yeah. And, and and we started, I've told this story too. I can't remember what uh, in, in what timeline relationship it is with the Phantom Menace, but we had one worker who always had a, a reason they couldn't do things. And I said, always with him, it can't be done. And my manager was like, that's it. That's an analogy for Kinko's. And like, uh, he started referring to people who could operate all the machinery and, and work at what he thought was a high level as Jedi. And I remember him coming to me one day is like, we've done it. Uh, every person on, uh, the, the first shift is a Jedi, not even a Padawan, all Jedi, like and just the lingo got in right away. So we didn't talk about the movie, but like star yeah. Wars was back and the lingo was back. I remember at one point, there was a customer, I don't even remember how long after the Phantom Menace this was, but definitely way before Attack of the Clones. There was a customer who had come in and been an absolute jerk and everybody knew it. And somebody was like, hey, uh, that person's supposed to be back in in five minutes. And I'm not proud of this now, but it's like, you mean that uh, bleep uh, with the braid, with the Padawan braid? And everybody laughed like, yeah, the asshole with the Padawan braid is coming <laughs> back, you know? And it was just in the air, in the lingo. And even though I had my issues with Phantom Menace, I was just so happy that like Star Wars was in the air. Yeah. And I think so, so, sometimes that um, weeds out the, the the casual from the more obsessed. And I, I don't, you know, being casual about Star Wars is completely fine when I say weed out. Just like sometimes like 
that kind of stuff where it just becomes part of your life. You find you find the connection with Star Wars fans, where I think that does end up emerging, where Star Wars is Star Wars, and that's the best kind of Star Wars, uh, I think, at the end of the day. It's my opinion. I mean, the, the, you know, people can't stop bashing these films because they, they secretly love them or want to love them, and that's part of the journey. Um, how soon after? So this is the first viewing we're going into, but yeah. when did you tick it up and get to the next one? Yeah. And for me, it was just like, you know, I had grown up being able to go to the films so to films at all. So rarely it was like this special treat. And when you saw a movie, you're like, wow, I saw it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm like, right now I'm like, I got to find time to see James Bond again and Halloween kills again. And I, I love seeing movies multiple times and really, really, uh, you know, engaging with everything they have to offer. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was just like, yeah, I, I saw it. Now, now I'm reading the novelization. I yeah. buying the action figures and trading cards and writing sketches. Like what? I'm engaging. Um, uh, buying the Pepsi cans and the Doritos bags. What? Um, and I just, I was out uh, with a friend who I was actually talking about doing a sketch, and she wanted some Star Wars opinions for another thing she was doing. And we were at a restaurant, and we we're both just like, "What are you doing now?" Like nothing. Like, do you want to go see Star Wars again? Like. Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah. It was an absolutely off the cuff thing. It was really great to see. It was you know this was weeks later, so not that many people in the theater. And mm. and all I remember from that second viewing, all I remember is the joy of the duel. Yeah, I don't remember anything negative. I'm sure by then I'd just been like, hey, I've been through it, and yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, that's okay. That's interesting. Oh, I didn't notice that. But all I remember is the joy of seeing that duel again. Yeah. The the joy, the music, Duel of Fates. I love staying at the end of the credits and hearing uh, Vader's theme kind of rolling yeah. stuff. Loved all that. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And and the repeat the repeat viewings rewards you for that. That's why we keep going back and back. Do you remember how many times you saw it? Did you count like me? Did you obsessively mark it down on a Google sheet? Well, that didn't exist back then. <laughs> no, I, I only saw it the the two times. And uh, yeah. you know, like I said, engaged with it in all these other ways. I remember I remember reading the book and going, Oh man, that should have been in it. Like that early part of the Phantom Menace novelization where Anakin is helping a wounded Tuscan Raider. It's like, oh, this right. is so great. And and I think I probably even with the novelization had they like, yeah, it's you know, maybe it is a little bit of some of the acting because the story is actually pretty great, you know. Mm. Um, and all all that stuff. I remember uh, had a party with a lot of the people who were in my friend group. Who were like, yeah, it's not good. But when I got that special, you know, VHS the day it released, we yeah. had a party and we watched it. <laughs> yeah. And I was so excited and, and so ready for Attack of the Clones. My qualms with Phantom Menace and all the negativity around it, I kind of accepted the, the, that people didn't like it. I liked the parts I did. I made, I made ironic jokes about, uh, being a Star Wars fan, like ironic jokes about Phantom, liking Phantom Menace, just mean jokes about how bad it is. I made all those jokes, uh, but the truth of of it was, I loved the experience, and I couldn't wait for Attack of the Clones. Same, I mean, same. I was, I it was racing towards Attack of the Clones. I was so excited. Yeah, so excited. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so you only see it two times. Uh, and then, yeah, I know that VHS set you're talking about, which I think came with some CD-ROM stuff, maybe, a, you know, it was a big box. Big a box. booklet, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you actually, this is a conversation about the first time we saw it, but when you come back to that film at that party, maybe that's the first time you've seen it since the theater, and you only saw it two times. Quickly, what was your engagement with the, the, the film at that point? By that point, I think I was really memorizing the parts I liked. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, 
that's fine. Sometimes there are parts I like, sometimes I don't. Again, I know this is weird to people now, but it was so prevalent to like parts of Return of the Jedi and not like others. And that was just truth among my yeah. fan group yeah. or my friend group. You know, Empire Strikes Back was great. Uh, Jabba's Palace was great, except for Boba Fett dying. That sucked. Uh, the Emperor stuff was great. Uh, some of the stuff on Andor is okay. The speeder bike is great. The Ewoks are bad. And like, yeah. So I had been trained <laughs> to, to like eat around the parts of Return of the Jedi that I didn't like. Again, these are opinions that are long gone yeah. uh, for me. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, it's, this, is, this is fine. It's just like Return of Jedi. I eat around the parts I don't like. <laughs> I love that analogy. It's so true. Like, regarding like the, the Ewoks, and, and, and I absolutely credit uh, Jennifer Landa for just really uh, letting me fly my Ewok flag and, and love them because I was, you and I, you and I rough, roughly the same age, but you, may, you, know, you might have a couple months on me of development. <laughs> and, and you're seeing Return of the Jedi in a little different vein than I was at the time. But I remember later on, like mid nineties, I'm in, I'm in rock radio. I have a morning show and I, you know, I still enjoy Howard Stern, but then I was, I was a Stern guy and all that kind of stuff. And I remember listening to him just tear apart the Ewoks and me going, yeah, because I felt <laughs> I had to. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about it before too. I think there was, you know, extra baggage then mm-hmm. about the fear of, of appearing weak because you like something that could be considered cute or childish. Mm-hmm. That meant you were weak and that's bad and don't show that, you know? Yeah. So it put up a real cultural roadblock to embracing this whole big part of Star Wars, which I, I'm so glad that uh, I think culturally and for myself that that roadblock is gone. And I'll, you know what? He's a mad genius in flannel, but George, I love that, you know, the, the stuff that Ahmed best said of George, 20 years told me, I know this is horrible, but stand, stand your ground. Cause the kids are going to find it. The kids did find it. And you're going to find love of this film's going to grow and be present because that's what we were reaching. And I, uh, I, I love when Ahmed was talking about that and, and that was part of it too. And we, it's just, you and I are as much as we love star Wars and we talk about it. Like we, we, we are part of that generation that sat in that theater in our early twenties going, not mine. Uh, yeah. And it was hard to escape that even with uh, burblings of uh, joy popping up around it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I am so glad that uh, we have escaped that. And uh, mm-hmm. for anybody listening or maybe they're just trying this episode out, uh, uh, please understand that we want, really want to share our perspective from our personal lives, our generational lives. And it's been a great experience to have our own uh, reevaluation of the prequels and also just get to interact with so many people who grew up in just saw the prequels when they were kids and had none of this baggage. And it's, yeah. it's been so wonderful to hear that perspective, you know, and, and I try to always apply that perspective to the sequel trilogy too. Final question to you about that. Then we can, uh, I'll kick it to you and we can start wrapping up this episode. Um, did you have that kind of experience with another generation around, around the time Phantom Menace was in theater? So maybe it's around your first viewing or not. Uh, I've spoken before of my seven-year-old cousin at the time was like, oh, my God, Phantom Menace was great. And I couldn't argue with him because that would make me cruel. <laughs> and so I had to engage with him, with him on that level. And that maybe didn't, you know, change my opinion or whatever right then and there. But that never left me. It still hasn't left me. And I, I'll tease him now. He's, he's uh, you know, approaching his uh, late 20s. He works in city government locally here in L.A. And I, sometimes we, I tease him about that. But, like, it affected me because I couldn't. I had to see it as he saw it. Did you have any of those kind of experiences at the time? No, I just wasn't around anyone yeah. younger. Um, just just didn't have any uh, Padawans in my life. And I, so mm-hmm. I think my uh, uh, 
what I assumed incorrectly, uh, as Snoke would say, uh, was that it was they're, they're talking about taxes and there's Senate meetings, government meetings, they're watching the C-SPAN and Star Wars, the joke goes. And I thought that maybe a younger kid wouldn't be taken in by that. And boy, am I thrilled to learn that uh, I was deeply incorrect and that The Phantom Menace uh, to a ton of young people was thrilling. Yeah, absolutely. Trade Federation blockades and all. Yep. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. so. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap up here. Uh, yeah. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, how this has affected us, but I want to give a chance to look back. So the experiences, everything you talked about with that day, the emotional roller coaster that you went through. Yeah. Uh, how do you think that affected uh, your opinion of the movie as time goes on? Right, and now we're getting into uh, you're starting to do Jedi Alliance. It's you know. Mm-hmm. 2014, uh, 2015, we're heading back into this new return of Star Wars. Um, how, how much of the just baggage of the experience of that day is attached to the movie of The Phantom Menace for you? It's it's still there and it, or, or was at that time period. And I, I talk often about, um, again, shared jokes are part of it, the fun. And you and I love making a reference or joke and, and off air too, or something like that. And I can poke fun here out of love of all these things. I think Star Wars fans need to re, be reminded to laugh with and at Star Wars at times. It's part of the experience. Uh, but I, 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 Jedi Alliance 2014, Maud Garrett and I would uh, absolutely have some fun at the prequel's expense. Now, it was probably good-natured, but I remember, you know, we weren't getting a ton of comments. We weren't like, you know... Uh, inundated with comments every day but every episode if we would make a joke about the planet core or something like that we <laughs> would have one or two people show up and start to remind us hey those are those are my star wars films mm-hmm. and we weren't being too snarky or too rude we just were having fun because that was kind of i was like thrilled i was like wow i could do a weekly star wars show this this is bonkers to me and i'd already been in digital media for two years talking about movies and stuff but like this is great and that forced me to slow a little bit on just how I communicated stuff about that film. I talk often, but meeting you at the LA Comic Con, uh, chatting, and then and hey, we should bring you on the show here. And then you said, "Hey, let's talk about the prequels." Um, I was not. It wasn't like I was planning to debate you or something. I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah, let's hear this uh, wild theory about uh, the prequels and why we should you know, watch them." Uh, and I just, I, I always talk about it, but like listening to you talk. And being of the same generation and realizing, you know, I, I, when I'm home alone, I often just put in a DVD of Revenge of the Sith or or Phantom Menace. And I don't tell anyone. Why don't I tell anyone anymore? Uh, that's not right because it's Star Wars and I love it. And that, but that baggage still was from 20 years prior of having friends hacking on the film to the point where I felt, uh, I guess I don't like it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a certain YouTube video explodes of, you know, st- stuff that I thought was funny at the time, but like doesn't hold a lot of uh, critical water for me anymore. And again, that's the narrative. So the narrative is, yeah, horrible, right? And yeah. that's probably not the truth. And so that's what changed. I carried that baggage up until it was like, no more of this. No more <laughs> of this. You know, uh, we don't have to hide that flame anymore. Yeah, that's great. I, I think for me, when I think back on my, you know, actual experience uh, the day of, just it, it's a it's a such a treasured, uh, detailed memory. Um, it, when I think about it, it's it's mostly joy. You know, I've made plenty of jokes about how people kind of stumbled out of the film, sh- you know, shocked <laughs> at two a.m. Um, 
and that's the truth that that's what that culture experienced. You know, maybe there were, maybe there were uh, 10 year olds in that theater at midnight who loved it. And, you know, I didn't, I don't know that absolutely could have happened, yeah, uh, yeah. but that was the experience that I observed. Um, but when I think back in the day that it's just joy and it's a joy that uh, is not unique to star Wars, but star Wars is particularly powerful about, about is being more than just a story, more than just a movie. It, it, it's experiences like those, like that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to remember that, like, yeah, we're going to discuss the story. We're going to engage with the story. But Star Wars is so much more in that story because we take it home and we engage with it in so many different ways. And it becomes a part of our life like that day did for me. Yeah. Forever imprinted on my yeah. soul. Yeah, exactly. Um, if we could travel back in time to that day, Ken, uh, would you try to change anything? Would you say anything uh, to young you about watching The Phantom Menace? Just go with your instincts. Just go with your instincts and what you thought you enjoyed and even what you thought you didn't like. Uh, just go with it and be prepared. It sounds serious, uh, but be prepared to, you know, this this movie isn't necessarily just for you, which is, is the hardest thing to do as a Star Wars fan, as a franchise fan, right? It's, it's uh, we love these. We have these associations with it. And I think that still for our generation was the hardest thing to realize this is now bigger than us. And I, <laughs> and I, and I didn't feel, uh, but come around 2015, uh, I need, I had some issues with star Wars rebels early on that I, I had to get over, but by 2015, I got to tell you, I, I didn't want to re- make the mistake again. This was no longer about just me. And so I would prep, prep myself for that a little bit. Then I'd say, save up some money, at least go to Chili's across the street from Carlsberg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's very, very good advice. Yeah. I think if I could travel back in time, I would, I wouldn't change anything about that day is mm-hmm. great and joyful, but if I could, uh, whisper some things to myself. I would basically just be like George Lucas with uh, some, you know, changes on the surface. He has wanted to tell this story forever. Yeah. <laughs> when he was making the original trilogy, this was always the story. So embrace it that way. He is not trying to recreate mm-hmm. the original trilogy. He is telling a different story. So open your mind to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, not surprising. I would I would say uh, long things to myself, um, <laughs> and then the, the the more cryptic thing I would whisper to younger me is uh, time changes everything, and I think maybe that's one of the big lessons that I got uh, from this is that um, I felt like what would the, this, this generation has been waiting for this film. Uh, we saw it uh, big painting with a big brush this generation had their reaction and there we go. Mm. And then just remembering how quickly, you know, our experiences aren't universal, Mm. you know, individually or generationally and how quickly things change. And it's helped me so much have that mindset about the sequel of like some of the things we're debating, we're always going to debate. Some are going to be forgotten in a couple years at best. Some of them are already disappearing because time changes everything. Mm. Absolutely does. Absolutely does. Mm. I'd also tell myself to take better care of my Ford Fairmont. Besides that, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, mine was already gone by that point, but uh, <laughs> Plymouth Colt had a couple more years to go. It's my blue Ford Fairmont that took me to the Phantom Menace in Invergrove Heights. Nice. So uh, that was a big day 
big day. Lots of memories. Uh, thank you so much for talking through them, Ken. Any yeah. final thoughts or do you want to let us uh, let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. Well, final thoughts are, man, ain't Star Wars good, kids? We'll talk more of our memories coming up. It was a lot of fun to go back to those days. And we'd love to hear your uh, memories. Maybe you got pictures, ticket stubs, something like that. Don't be shy. Let us know. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use hashtag Force Center to find us a little easier if you want to. Uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube. Sometimes sketchy on that spotty. I get it. We know, but we're on there. Find us. Uh, podcast is available on a lot of different spots, but you can search and find one that works for you, like our iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. And merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Speaking of sharing memories from there, you can access our discord where you can share memories, talk star Wars with a nice, friendly, positive, supportive force center community on our discord page. You can follow me at catnapsack or go to catnapsack.com for information on more things to do, including upcoming comedy shows, being in Washington, DC in December. That's a little ways out. We've got some other shows coming up as well for you, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, uh, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Boss Nass, and the Planet Core, this has been Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.